0: This morning to be turning there, Isaiah 61, and I have a very simple thought I'm going to share with you uh, today. And try to gather our thoughts a little better. Bless the heart of those people in the first service. Uh, they have to put up with the rough draft of the message. And then after the first one, we go back to the office and try to refine it a little bit. So you ought to thank them for putting up with me because they had to hear the rough, rougher version of it this morning. Isaiah 61, we're going to read verse 1, verse 2. If you're there and don't mind, let's stand together. Isaiah 61, 1. I'm going to share a simple thought with you. And uh, I'll do my part, I know the Holy Spirit's going to do His part, and then let's make sure we do our part uh, during the invitation time responding to God. Verse 1, Isaiah 61, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Let's pray together. Lord, I do thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to preach again, Lord. And, and in just the last couple of hours, we thank you, Lord, for how you work through your word. I'm asking you to work through it again today. Lord, I pray you give us recollection and liberty through your spirit. And I pray we would open our hearts right now and go ahead and resolve. We're going to let you do your work and your will today, whether it's something I say or not. It's what the Holy Spirit says. is what we We need to hear, and I pray we'd be open to that. Bless the invitation time. Help us respond in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're about to celebrate our 244th anniversary, our anniversary birthday as a country, and uh, we're excited about that, and oftentimes we call it the 4th of July, and that's kind of the, uh, the relaxed version of what we're about to celebrate here in our country. Uh, I love to call it Independence Day because it reminds us of what it's all about, that we're celebrating uh, the God's grace upon this great land, and the independence we have as Americans, and uh, during this time of the year, oftentimes we'll watch documentaries or see specials on television that really deal with our country. Country, and the founding of our country and the history of our country. And uh, you kind of have to sort through them to find the true history, but it's there. And uh, oftentimes, it's better just to get a good book and read it there, and you'll know that you're getting it, uh, getting it right. But this past week, I was reading through the Declaration of Independence, and something jumped out at me. I've read it many times before, but something jumped out at me that I wanted to share with you that I really believe has a connection with verse number one and our spiritual independence that we have. But let me read you a few lines of the Declaration of Independence right quick. It says, we hold these to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Now listen close to this next part, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I was giving that some thought the other day, why our founding fathers chose to mention those three specifically. There's a lot of rights that we enjoy as Americans, and a lot of things we enjoy just as a birthright of being born as a citizen of this good land, and you ought to be thankful for that, uh, because I believe our rights are going to be something that slowly slips away and are are slipping away. But I began wondering why they mentioned those three rights. They could have mentioned a lot of different things, but they mentioned life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness happiness. When you think about those three rights, you begin to realize that those three rights really encapsulate all of the other rights that we have as Americans. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They really sum up all of the rights that we enjoy as Americans. It's very similar to what Jesus said about loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He says, in loving your neighbor, these hang all of the law and the prophets. He said, on those two, it encapsulates all the other things that we should be doing as a people of God. Solomon said that fearing God and keeping the commandments, that was the whole duty of man. That was the conclusion of the matter. are there more things we are to do? Absolutely, there's more things we are to do. But really, you can hang all of those on those commandments and those two uh, rules to live by. And so we notice here, there's three that are mentioned in the Declaration of Independence. Life, liberty... And the pursuit of happiness. I want to show you something this morning. I want you to think about the first one. It's life. Life is a beginning. All right? Uh, That's the very basic and the most simplest right that we should have as Americans. Uh, I I think when they wrote that, they probably took for granted that we would agree with that. But it's sad that in American culture today, I don't even know that we have the right to life anymore. That is the most basic and the most simplest of rights. And yet, that is something that is debated today in America. Life is a beginning, and then notice the pursuit of happiness at the end of it. The pursuit of happiness is opportunity. I'm thankful that as an American, because I was born here a little over 40 years ago, I have great opportunity just because I was born on this soil. You can be just about whatever you want to be, go where you want to go, do what you want to do. I mean, as American, I have great opportunity. But watch this. We have life, and we have opportunity. And notice what's sandwiched in the middle of life and opportunity. Life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You see, liberty is what connects life and opportunity together. Think about it this way. If you don't have liberty, uh, what much is life worth? If you have life, what good is life without the liberty to live it? You know, you can have life, but if you don't have liberty, well, your life, the quality of your life is not going to be very good. As a matter of fact, that's why Patrick Henry says, give me liberty or give me death. He says, I don't want to have a life without liberty because a life without liberty, that's just worthless. Who wants that? So liberty connects life and opportunity together. Think about opportunity. What good is opportunity if you don't have the liberty to pursue it? You see, in order to have life and in order to have opportunity, you must have that liberty. Liberty is essential in order to live a full life and fulfill the opportunity that is there. Without liberty, I promise you, there is no American dream. Without liberty, there's no American experiment. As a matter of fact, we have a statue dedicated solely to liberty there in New York Harbor. But I want you to know that liberty is not an original idea to our founding fathers I'm thankful for it, I'm thankful that they had the wherewithal to go to the source of liberty and you cannot deny the fact that if you go throughout the founding documents of our country you will find they refer to the word of God and the laws of God for the laws that we have in this country, you cannot deny that, I don't care how often they try to rewrite it, you cannot deny the fact that our founding fathers look to the law of God and the word of God and the structure by which they frame this great country matter of fact Thomas Jefferson said Two years before The declaration of independence The God who gave us life Gave us liberty At the same time You see they understood That God is ultimately The author of life Liberty And the pursuit of happiness God is the author of that Now we get to enjoy The pleasures and benefits of that But God authored that And the only way To know true liberty Is is to know the one who created it. We're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights and among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the only way for us to know liberty today is to know the liberty that is offered of the Lord. And for a few minutes this morning, that's what I want to preach on. Very simple thought. The liberty Of the Lord. I'm thankful for the liberties I enjoy as an American. I'm thankful that I get to have a copy of the Word of God. Do you know that's something we take so for granted, but there are countries on this planet where they do not have that liberty. I'm thankful for that liberty as an American, I have a copy of the Word of God. I'm thankful for the liberty that I have to be able to come to the house of God and worship. Bless their heart. There are people all over this world, people in China, people in Egypt, who have to meet in underground churches. They don't have that liberty. Why? Because they were not born in this great country that we call America. Is it a perfect country? By no means. Do we have our faults? Absolutely. But God has greatly shed his grace upon this country, and it's evident in the liberty that we have to serve God, to have a copy of his word, and to assemble for worship. What a wonderful liberty that is. But can I tell you this morning, there's an even greater liberty, and that's the liberty of the Lord. You may be saying this morning, well, I'm already saved. I can just kind of tune the message out today and go to Neverland in my mind and get out there on the lake in my boat in my mind and start planning the fishing I'm going to do after church today. But I assure you, listen, there is a liberty for the lost, but there's a liberty for the saved that, sadly, I don't see a whole lot of saved people living. There's liberty and freedom that come along with the life and the faith that we have. And sadly, so many of us are living like verse number one. We are still living as captives. This morning, I want to show you the liberty of the Lord and what God offers us. In Isaiah 61, we're seeing Isaiah proclaiming the liberty to the Jews that are going to captivity. Now, I want to show you something here that's a side note. Isaiah is prophesying. He's telling them they're going to go. You read chapter 1 in the beginning. They're prophesying going into captivity. And yet here at the end of the book or toward the end of the book, we see them prophesying getting out. It's always good when you see the grace of God. There's a little bit of difficulty on the front end, but we see the grace at the back end that he's going to offer them liberty. Notice what he says in verse 1. To bind up the brokenhearted, <clears throat> to proclaim liberty, to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now, I want you to notice what God is offering them. Here's what God is saying God's saying you're going to go into captivity because you're sin, because God is a faithful and a just God. God cannot overlook sin. That's why it's important, moms and dads, that we raise our children and nurture and admonition of the Lord because one day they're going to be out from under our roof, they're going to be under God's roof, and they're going to need to know how to act, all right? And God does not overlook sin. Therefore, moms and dads, it's okay for us to have mercy and grace just like God does at times, but we cannot overlook sin because God doesn't overlook sin. And God says you're going to go to this difficult time of captivity, but I want you to know there's going to be life after captivity. Aren't you glad? That God offers us life in spite of our condition. So the first thing I want you to see this morning is very important. The liberty of the Lord is an offer of life. When God comes to you and the Holy Spirit of God knocks upon your heart's door, he's going to knock on your heart's door for one of two reasons. Number one, he's going to offer you life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's the first thing the Holy Spirit of God is going to deal with you about. And when he comes to you, he's offering you liberty, and his liberty is the only way to have life. He says, I want you to know you're going to go into captivity, but I'm going to provide liberty for you. And I want you to know freedom's wonderful, but boy, spiritual freedom is priceless. I have been in a few prisons, a few jails, and preached there before, not as a resident, but as a preacher, and I have to be totally honest with you, some of the best services I've ever been in were in prison. I'm not joking. You know why? Because usually the people that are in jail and prison don't have any reason to put on airs. not going to convince me they haven't done anything because most likely they're in there because they probably did something. And they're just honest and they're just open. And folks, I'll tell you, oftentimes I find more spirituality in prison than I do in some churches that I preach in. We come on and we put on our suits and we want to act like we're okay and nothing's ever wrong. And none of us are ever that way all the time. There's things wrong in our life and the Holy Spirit is going to make that known to us. But think about a prisoner. A prisoner their entire life is dictated when you get up, when you go to bed. When you eat, where you can sleep, what you can wear, where you can go, it's all dictated for you. But imagine the wonderful day when that door opens for you and you're allowed to get out and you're allowed to go. You're allowed to go to McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and you're allowed to go and see your family and be with your friends. Imagine the freedom that is there. Imagine the life that you now have. Now, can I tell you something this morning? There's a difference in living and having life. There is a difference in living and having life. You know, prisoners that are in prison, they are living, okay? They are alive, but they don't have much of a life. And I believe this morning there's many of us both lost and saved this morning. You may be living, but so many of us don't have much of a life. Because we're not enjoying the liberty of the Lord. Listen, if you're lost, number one, this morning, oh, you are missing out on the liberty of the Lord, the liberty of being free from the shackles of sin. It does not mean you're going to be perfect. You're not going to make a mistake again. No, you will. You may even make more mistakes after you get saved. I got saved as a nine-year-old child. Not a whole lot that a nine-year-old could get in trouble for or do. I mean, I stole a pack of baseball cards. As sinister as that is, I've done worse things since I was nine years old. But can I tell you something? I don't have to remain a prisoner of sin. Why? Because I was set free because of the liberty of the Lord. What does the Bible say? Verse number one, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Oh, when I was nine years old, I went from just living to having a life. And that life came through the liberty that the Lord Jesus Christ secured for me on the cross of Calvary. You know, sometimes we drive by and we'll see people that are, uh, that are under the influence of something or their life is not uh, maybe what it ought to be. And sadly, sometimes we talk about them more than we are willing to help them. And all you should see is someone that would be you were it not for the grace of God. None of us were born with a spiritual silver spoon in our mouth. We were all born dead in our trespasses and sins. And were it not for Christ proclaiming liberty to the captives, we would be just as they are. That ought to motivate us to go to them. You know, because God loved us enough to come to us. Why don't we love them enough to go to them? And the liberty of the Lord, can I tell you what it does? It's an offer of life. When the Holy Spirit of God comes to you and knocks on your heart's door and shows you your loss, he's offering you life. Life. The sad thing is we oftentimes feel like he's trying to take our life. Well, he is. He's trying to take it and give you a better one. The other day I got a sad story for you. <clears throat> Boy, this is a sad one. Brother Justin got a drone. Man, we're having a drone squad in our church now. I'm getting ready for Jim, for football games. We're going to have Flyovers. At our, ball game, our drone team here at Central Baptist School, we're going to have that out there for the football team. And Brother Justin got one, <clears throat> and I thought, you know what, I'll show Brother Justin how to do some mid-air maneuvers with the drone. And so I go out there to show him a few things, and I've never crashed my drone until then. They don't fly good with three propellers. They have to have the fourth one. And some, some reason, my fourth one got tired of flying, and he just jumped off, and it spiraled to the ground. And I'm watching, and I know how much it costs, and I'm thinking, just please, Lord, let it cushion on that soft grass. But the grass was freshly cut, so it wasn't a whole lot of cushion there. And I get over there, and he's gimpy now. One of his arms is just dangling, and his antennas are broke off. He's a sad looking little drone. I didn't cry, but my heart was broke for it because we had such good memories flying around town and, and buzzing Brother Brent's house during his Sunday school lessons. That was just so fun. I, I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss that for the next little while, flying over his house while he's teaching Sunday school. I called the place and I said, hey, I said, I didn't crash it. It malfunctioned because I'm prideful. It didn't crash. It crashed itself. It decided it didn't need four propellers. It decided it only need three and it found out the hard way you need four. And it crashed. And I said, look, it's, it's looking all sad. Arm's just kind of hanging here. He's sitting there. I mean, it's trying to fly, but it's, it's we got a broken wing. It can't get up off the ground. And here's what they told me. They said, "Why don't you just send it in? Send it in, and we'll get it refixed up and get it back in the air, good as new." Boy, I thought about myself, how that's the way I was with God. I'm sitting there, and I'm broken, and I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. And along comes the Holy Spirit of God one day, knocks on my heart's door. And he didn't come to take away my life. He came to take away the brokenness and make it new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And he just refitted it, and now I'm way better than I used to be. Why? Because he brought me liberty. And the liberty of the Lord is an offer of life. Can I tell you this morning, if you're lost, the Holy Spirit of God lets you know that today. If you're not sure that if you died, you go to heaven, and the Holy Spirit convicts your heart today, don't run from that. He's wanting to take your broken drone and give you a new one. He wants old things to pass away and all things become new. Oftentimes, listen, does it ever make you wonder why we run from God? You say, I know, I wish those lost people would get saved. Saved people run from God just as bad as lost people. Holy Spirit comes to us and he convicts our heart. The Holy Spirit says, hey, you're not right. You see, the second reason the Holy Spirit's going to convict you, number one, is for life. But what did Jesus say? I'm come that you might have life and have it what? More abundantly. All right? When you're lost and you get saved, that's when you get life. You go from living to getting life. And then after you get saved, guess what? God wants you to have an abundant life. He wants you to continue to grow and reap the spiritual blessings and become more like Christ. He wants to have an abundant life. And the Holy Spirit will convict you of your sin after you get saved. Do you know why he's convicting you? Because he's just mean. We know better. I know the parents that are in the room. I think we've all felt that way before that our kids just think we're the meanest people in the world. I had a conversation with my daughter. the day. I forget what it was about. But uh, it was something I was trying to give her some instruction on. And she's kind of sensitive that way. And she just you puts her head down and tears start coming out. I said, look, dad, not trying to be mean. Dad loves you. And dad wants you to be a better version of you. And I want you to grow and become more like Christ. Don't become more like your dad. Become more like Christ. And I said, I'm just telling you this because I want you to have an abundant life. I don't want you just to have the life you have now the rest of your life. I want you to have an abundant life. But that abundant life is only available to the, through the liberty of the Lord. That's why we shouldn't run from the Holy Spirit. It's like running from the UPS man. You know, my wife has been ordering some things on Amazon lately. And uh, we, we're checking the front porch. and We're checking the carport. And we're checking the mailbox. Just waiting to see if UPS is run. Bringing all those goodies, you know, delivered them to our door. I mean, that's just a, before long, you're not even going to have to leave your house for anything. Uber Eats and UPS will take care of you, lock, stock, and barrel. But we look forward to the UPS man coming to our house more than we do God. We look forward to Uber delivering some food that's going to clog our arteries and help us to die young more than we look forward to the Holy Spirit visiting our hearts. Look, conviction is not something we should run from. Is it something that we should receive. Why? Because listen, the first time I was convicted, watch this. It was about my sin and my lost condition. And I accepted Christ and I found life. I went from just living to having a life. And now he convicts me. Why? Because he wants me to have an abundant life. But guess what? You're only going to have that through the Lord. Notice verse 1 says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings. It was the Lord who called him to proclaim liberty. Liberty will only be found of the Lord. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no life outside of Christ. How many generations of Christians have to ruin their life and their marriage and their children to prove God's word right, that his way is the only way to have a lively and a lively marriage, and a lively home, and a lively children, So often I see young people and I see moms and dads and I see homes. Their home life stinks. It stinks. And it don't have to. It don't have to. Why? Let me tell you why it stinks. It's because they're trying it without Christ. Christ is life. I am the way, the truth, the life. You try to have a home where Christ is not in the center of it. You're robbing your home of life. I see it in our young people. They don't have much of a spiritual life. Why? Because they're trying to live outside of Christ. When boy, what an example it'd be this morning for our home life, our personal life, our married life to reflect the life that can only be found in Christ. The other day I went in the gas station, my wife was out of Diet Dr. Peppers. And that's a serious deal around our house. Because, amen, amen, Brother Richard. She needs her Diet Dr. Peppers. She needs that caffeine. Or all of a sudden, I don't know if it's Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde, which one it was, but the other guy comes out when she doesn't have her caffeine, and no, no, not really, and I go in the gas station, they have three for 11 at Dollar General right now, if you like Dr. Peppers, it's a pretty good deal, three for 11, 12 packs, and I put them up on the counter, and she says, oh, you must be thirsty, and I said, uh, no, these are for my wife, she goes, oh, I said, excuse me, she goes, I, I just think that's so sweet, and I said, well, she's my wife. You know, and, and uh, we, I said, she said, how long have you been married? I said, 15 years. Well, next month will be 15 years. And uh, she says, I just got to have a rotten relationship. I'm like, I'm sorry. I hate people have, when they have rotten relationships. I have a good one. I had people, when, when we got engaged, I had some of these old, miserable people come to me and say, they're not all old, they're just, a lot of them are miserable. And they said, oh, you've done it now. Get out while there's still time the ball and chain around the ankle, 15 years into it, I'm still trying to figure out what they're talking about. Do, do we fight sometimes? Yeah, but it's good. It's healthy. Gets our heart rate up, all right? right. we fight a little bit, it's going to let us live longer that way. <laughs> we haven't had a perfect marriage, but I want to tell you, I told my wife just the other day, I said, I'm only 40, but if the Lord were to call me home, when well, I hope he doesn't, I've had a great life. I've had a great life. And I'll tell you Why? It's not been perfect by no means. But somewhere along the line, I had people who loved me enough to show me that life is only through Christ. If I wanted to have life in my home, Christ was going to have to be in my home. If I wanted to have a, a, a child that, whose life was a testimony of the goodness and grace of God, then Christ was going to have to be in the forefront of her heart. And her. And mom was going to tell you something. I've had a great life. Why? Because of Christ. It has nothing to do with me. It's all because of Christ. In conviction of the Holy Spirit of God... He's either going to convict you that you need to have life, or he's going to convict you that you need to have more abundant life. And even when God convicts you of your sin, look, the only reason, he's not being mean. He's convicting us because he wants us to have the liberty of a life where his hand and his blessings are upon us. We have the abundant grace of God. I don't know why we run from it. I think what we do is this. <clears throat> Sadly, oftentimes, we believe the lie that the world has written and the world produces very well. And that's the lie that life and liberty only come from being away from the Lord. That you've got to get away from God and church and all those rigid rules and all of that to really start living. Exhibit A, I would take you to the prodigal son prodigal son says I got to get out of here and I got to go there and that's where I'm going to have a life and man we're going to really live it up and he did for a little while he he was living it up but he didn't have much of a life we see him there in the mire and the sloth and in the sting and he says to himself he had at least enough spiritual integrity to say to himself how many of my father's hired servants have more than I do do you know what he's realizing I didn't gain a life by leaving my father.'" I lost it. I lost it. The devil's going to convince you. I hate this phrase. I really do hate this phrase. Where you, everybody's got to sow their wild oats. Chapter, verse, please. I haven't found that yet. I've read through this thing and read through this thing upside down. I've even read some of it in Greek. And I've still yet to see where everybody has to sow their wild oats. Why couldn't you just find something good and stick with it? And God's good. And you're going to find when Christ is the center of your life, that's the most liberty you will ever have. I've told you the story before, I'll tell you again, a boy by the name of Dustin wrote our church bus years ago, and my brother was a teenager at the time, and he looked at me and he says, Brother Jeremiah, I'm glad I'm not Brother Zach. I said, well, I'm glad I'm not him too, you know, but why? He says, because he lives in a cage. I said, what do you mean, lives in a cage? He said, boy, being a preacher's kid, having to go to church all the time, and you know your dad's a preacher and you have to live by the Bible all the time, he just lives in a cage. I said, it's the safest place on the planet. Your cages don't just keep you away from things. It keeps things away from you. I want to tell you, life's been pretty good in that box that I've been living in. He went to prison several years later for robbing a gas station in Mount Olive, Mississippi. What happened? He thought away from God. He had life and liberty, and yet he had the liberty to check himself right into federal prison. Madison, Wisconsin, there's a group by the name of the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Personally, I think they're cowards. Because really what they want to say is freedom from God foundation. But they call it religion because religion is not as offensive uh, because they even know better even in their status to say freedom from God. So they say freedom from religion foundation. I want you to know that's an oxymoron. There is no freedom aside from God. There is no freedom There is no freedom away or aside from God. It's not going to happen. The further away from God you get, and the further away from Christ you get, the further away from liberty and life you get. And so as you move away from God, you are slowly marching yourself right back into captivity. Look at the children of Israel. Look at Israel all throughout their history when they were close to God. They had liberty and they had an abundant life. Why? Because the liberty of the Lord is an offer of life. And as they walked away from the Lord, they walked away from liberty. They walked away from life and marched themselves right into captivity. And the sad thing is that path has been beaten down and we're going to follow them right down that road. America we think that we're so smart and we think because we're so prosperous and we're the land of the free and the home of the brave We have a great military and I'm thankful for all of that and that's only by the grace of God And we think because we've got all of that. Okay, God, we got it now Why don't you go help those people in Australia? We'll handle it from here and we're walking away from God And we're going to lose our liberty. I assure you of that Edward Gibbon wrote the book the decline and fall of the Roman Empire He gives five reasons that the Roman Empire fell. Now understand, the Roman Empire is a great picture of the United States of America. World power, great influencer. He gives them, I'll read these for you quickly. Number one, the rapid increase of divorce, the undermining of the dignity and sanctity of the home, which is the basis of human society. Number two, higher and higher taxes and the spending of public monies for free bread and circuses for the populace. Number three, the mad craze for pleasure. Sports becoming every year more exciting and more brutal. This is not America. We're talking about Rome. But it sounds familiar, doesn't it? The building of gigantic armaments when the real enemy was within. The decadence of the people. And then number five, listen to this. The decay of religion. Faith fading into mere form. Losing touch with life and becoming impotent to warn and to guide the people. This is why Psalms 9, the Bible says in verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. I'll promise you, mark my words, more importantly, mark God's words as we move further away from God. We are moving further away from our liberty. Never find a godly country that stood upon this book drifting into socialism or communism. They had to get rid of this first. And it's coming. It's coming. You say, I know it's just horrible. I don't know what we can do. You can do what you know to do when the Holy Spirit of God convicts you about where you're at. You can decide, I'm going back to God. Why? Because the law of the Lord is an offer of life. Look down real quickly to verse 1. We're going to stay in it the rest of the time. Why would he go through all of this trouble? Watch what God is doing to orchestrate liberty here. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Why would God go through all of this trouble to provide liberty? Boy, this is a beautiful picture. Number two, the liberty of the Lord is a labor of love. There's no other answer for it. Why would young men and women join the military? I know there's incentives and things along that line, but I'm going to tell you something. I believe most of those who are fighting for the freedom of America and have fought for the freedom of America did it because they love this country. Greater, have, have, greater love hath no man than this, than he lay his life down. Why? Because of love. That's the motivator behind all this. Can I tell you that when God comes to you and knocks on your heart's door in conviction... It's not because he's mad, it's because he loves us. Why is he going through all of this trouble? troubles? Because he loved the lady at the gas station, not the gas station, Dollar General the other day, when she says, oh, she says, you're buying those for your wife? I said, yeah, you know, we're out and I'm at the store and she likes them, so I want, you know, why not get them? I just, you know, that wasn't a big, you know, to me, that wasn't the most awesome thing in the world, but to her, it was, here's what she said, I just love love. And I thought, well, I do too. Come to think of, I've never thought about it that way. But I love love. You know, I bought my wife those Diet Dr. Peppers because I love her. I love her. So you know, I I don't want her to get a headache because she didn't get any caffeine. And you know, me and Miley appreciate when she has her caffeine. And you know, and uh, but really the main reason I did is because I love her. And uh, i bring her Reese's. She loves Reese's cups. Just the regular ones, right? You know, they got all these new jazzy ones now with M&Ms in it and all that. She just likes the original. She's a, she's a classic. She likes the classic Reese's. I'll bring her a Reese's from time to time or pick up something at, uh, at Raising Cane. Why? Well, I just, I love her. I do what I do because I love her. I can tell you why God's doing what he's doing here. Why God's going through all of this trouble. Do you know how much trouble it was on God to send his son down, to leave the portals of glory, to come down to this sin-stained world, to put on this flesh, to be ridiculed and reviled and scourged and crucified? Can I tell you why he went through all of that? So that we could have liberty because he loved us. The truth of the matter is, when you read verse number one, God loved Judah too much to leave them in captivity. He loved them too much. He looked down there and even though they had defied him and defiled themselves and were getting idolatry, he says, I still love them. That's unconditional love. You know, a lot of us, I don't know if we understand what love is. Love is not just loving those that love you. That's what the Pharisees had. When you love those people that love you. You know, there's some of you that are very lovable here this morning. I'm not going to point and I'm not even going to look at any of you right now because you're going to, yeah, he was talking about me. Some of you are very lovable and some of you are not. We'll give a pause just a second. All right, now open my eyes. Some of you are not. It's easy to love some of you. I mean, mean, people dropping off food at my office all the time. Donuts in my mailbox. Brownies there in the kitchen. I mean, cheesecake the other day. I mean, those people are really easy to love. And some of you, oh, man. But you know what? Real love is unconditional and here they are, defying God and defiling themselves, and yet He loved them enough to love them even in their sin. Romans 5:8, what does the Bible say? "Even though while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All of the labor of Christ and the cross was because of love. And that's how bad He wanted you to be free. That's how bad Christ wanted you to have life. That's how bad. After you get saved, He wants you to have an abundant life. It's sad to me, it really is. <clears throat> to see people who have been set free and yet they're still living in captivity. I see, oh my goodness, I see homes every day near about and their home is a home not of the abundant life. It's on life support. And I'll tell you what happened. Somewhere along the line, they got away from God. Christ is life. Christ is no longer the center of their home. Their job became the center of their home. Or their hobbies became the center of their home. I want to tell you something. Hobbies can't give you life. Your job can give you a paycheck, but it can't give you life. Christ says, I am life. Keep me in the center. And I see homes on life support. I see relationships on life. I see churches on life support. And the sad thing is, God loved us enough that he went through all of this labor in order for us to have liberty and the freedom. Notice how he describes it. At the end of verse 1... He describes it as the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Can I tell you this morning, every person here, I want to tell you something that, that, that uh, coincides with you. Number one, if you're lost here today, God loved you too much to leave you lost. That's why He sent Jesus. He loved you. He said, I don't want to leave them in captivity. I don't want to leave them dead in their trespasses and sins. I don't want them to just live. I want them to have life. And there's life available for you, for whosoever. Aren't you glad? God's an equal opportunity saver. It doesn't matter how bad you are, what you've done. He loved you so much that he secured liberty through his son's work on the cross at Calvary. But if you are saved, can I tell you something this morning? God has an abundant life for you. Look, look, moms and dads, husbands and wives, listen to me this morning. There's an abundant life. There's an abundant marriage. There's an abundant relationship that you could have this morning, but only through Christ. And he loved you enough to labor through his son on the cross to secure that for you. But oftentimes on the other side of conviction, we find that abundant life. Here comes the Holy Spirit. We hear him knocking. And we know his knock, don't we? Man, I know it. I know it too well. It's like my wife. I have a special knock. When I come to my door, I have a special knock. I'm not going to do it for you. It's top secret between me and her. It's one of those love languages we have. I knock on the door. You ought to try it sometime. And uh, when I knock, she knows that's me. If I don't do that knock, she doesn't even come to the door. Because she thinks it might be one of you, you know? And so (laughs) she doesn't come to the door. And I do the little knock. She knows it. And she comes to the door. And she knows I probably got Diet Dr. Pepper Reese's or something, you know? So she's like, open the door. All those locks. (laughs) quick as she can because she knows I got something good. I usually come home with something good. I get in so much trouble because I always bring something home. Always Not puppies or cats, but I'm always bringing something home that's usually good. And I know the knock of the Holy Spirit. I know what it sounds like. It's right here in my heart, and I know what his voice sounds like. And I'll be sitting in a church service. I'll be listening to a preaching in my office I'll be talking just to another Christian or reading my Bible. And all of a sudden, and I'm like, I wonder what he wants. He's probably going to tell me I've got to go back and apologize to my wife for getting aggravated, for not taking out the garbage. He's probably going to tell me, you need to apologize to your daughter for calling that guy a dummy, going down the road for being slow in the fast lane. And I'm thinking, oh, do I want to answer the door? I'm mean, like, you know what, I'm just... You know you know how you do when I come to your house and you just pretend like you're not home? I'm just going to pretend like he's not there. I'm just going to pretend. And then he goes to the back door. He's like, gosh, man, come on. Go away. Go away. I don't, you know, unless you've got Girl Scout cookies or something, I don't want anything. You know, just I'm good. Leave it alone. And you know what he's doing? Because he loves us. He wants to show us our sin where we confess it and forsake it And we can find mercy to go on living the abundant life. But we're running from that. Hebrews 12, the Bible says that he chastens every son that he loves. Notice he chastens every son that he loves. I told the early service, when I was a kid, honest to goodness, I thought that was chases. When the preacher would quote that, I thought it meant he chases. And I remember as a kid, it just made sense to me. My dad would would give me a a spanking. And sometimes it it would hurt, you know. Spankings back then hurt. Nowadays, they just make you mad, you know. And every once in a while, he would do like this. He's chasing me. I said, oh, I get that. I get, I get the verse now. He chases every son that he loves. I understood it so much more than It's not chasing, He's he's chastens. But the key part is to understand it's because he loves us that he's chastening us. He wants us to have liberty and he wants us to have light, life. But the last thing I want to show you real quick before we're done At the end of verse 1, the Bible says the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Before you decide to leave here today and say, you know what, that's a a good thought. I'm going to do that later. How often do I do that with God? I don't know that I'm dumb enough to say no to God. I just say later to God, all right? Because it feels better to say later than no. And we say, you know what, I'm going to do that. You know what, I'm, I'm going to make sure Christ is in the center of my life, that I have a not only life, but an abundant life. I'm going to do that later. Well, the last thing I want you to see is the liberty of the Lord has its limits. The liberty of the Lord has its limits. Now, what are the limits to the liberty of the Lord? The Bible says that he opened the prison. He opened the prison. But I want to tell you something. Just because he opened it doesn't mean you're out yet. You have to choose to walk through the door that he's opened in order for you to get out of the prison. Just because he opened the door for salvation and has invited all. The Bible says he would draw all men and he's drawn all men. There's not a person in hell this morning that was not drawn to God. But why, why are there people in hell and why isn't everybody going to heaven? Because see, he's opened the door, but you have to decide you're going to walk through it. You have to decide, I want that. You have to decide that if there's a pardon for me for my sin and he's opened the door, and all I have to do is walk out, that, hey, I want that pardon. And sadly, so often, lost and saved, he opens the door to life and an abundant life. And the reason we don't have it is not because the devil made you do it. We don't have it because we just didn't decide to walk through the door. Oftentimes, the door is an invitation. Kind of look at the altar as a giant prison gate. invitation, we have an opportunity to respond to God and walk through the door. Whatever the door is, if he convicted you and showed you you're lost, walk through the door and get saved. It's open. Heaven's open wide. You can go, but you've got to decide, I want to walk through there, and then there's the abundant life after you get saved. He wants you to have liberty, and he wants you to have life, and he opens up the door, and sadly, most Christians today are content to remain a prisoner. Something sad I've watched through, through the years. I was 12 during, uh, during the, uh, the first Iraq war. And one of the things that's sad is I watch so often our valiant soldiers go and secure liberty for people. And they fight for liberty. And they open the door for them. They, Here's you a country. You have a democracy here. You have control now. You have liberty and you have life. But something I've watched throughout the years as America has traveled around the world trying to give liberty. It's a simple fact that you can't force someone to be liberated. You can't force people to be liberated. You can open the door and you can set everything up and set the government up and all of this. But sooner or later, those people have to decide they want it. And it's the way for salvation. That's the way it is for life. That's the way it is for the abundant life. If you want it, you can have it. But the problem is he opens the door and we choose not to walk through it. Oftentimes, we're like Agrippa you know what Paul was preaching to Agrippa? The same thing I'm preaching to you. The door's open. Agrippa, the door's open. Agrippa, you don't have to be bound by religion and pride. Listen, Agrippa, you can be saved just like me. And what does Agrippa do? He sits back in his jail cell as a king and says, almost, thou persuadest me. You're thinking, preacher, if you'd have finished up just a few minutes ago, you would have had me. No, I wouldn't. Look, if the Holy Spirit can't get you, I can't get you understand this this morning he's going to fling the door open but you've got to decide number one do you want life and do you want the abundant life after you get saved and if you don't have it it's your fault you'll not stand before God and say God you love them more than you love me because you let them have an abundant life and I just had a life he says no the door was open for you just like it was open for them you just decided not to walk out and be free Several years ago, I told a possum story this morning to the first service, but I'm going to tell you a different possum story because I have several possum stories. Growing up in Mississippi. A possum going to show up sooner or later. Matter of fact, I think one got in our garbage last night. Uh, they have good taste because uh, they like Domino's pizza that we threw away in the garbage last night because they're all over our yard this morning. So if you drove by, my yard's a mess. I apologize. I didn't have time to clean it before I got here to church today. Several years ago, we were living in Monroe. We lived in a double-wide trailer up on piers, and we're laying in bed one night, and we hear this weird noise under our house. Couldn't figure out what it was, and then we heard it walking on the ductwork up in the insulation of our trailer because it was like it was a fat possum because it was crinkling the the, the ductwork as he moved through there. And so I put my ear down on the floor, and you could just hear this scratching. Underneath the house, I, I got a half of mine just take out a 22, shoot through the floor. But then I thought, then I'm going to have to get a stinking thing out of here. And so I decided to climb under there, and I climbed underneath there. And man, that's just creepy going underneath your house and seeing all this spider webs that's right underneath your feet and didn't realize it was there. And I didn't, I didn't find the possum, but I told mine, we're going to set a trap, we're going to catch this dude. And so we built this homemade trap using a basketball net bag. It it held all the basketballs for our homeschool association. I said, we're going to do that. We're going to catch this possum because he was just, he's creeping me out a little bit. Possums are not warm and cuddly. I don't know if you think that, but they're not. I know you see them on the side of the road and they look all peaceful. That's just because they're dead, you know, and they're (sighs) alive, you know. And so we set this trap and every morning me and Miley, the highlight of our day was to go out and check the trap. And lo and behold, we got him. We got him. American ingenuity. American, not can't. And we caught that possum. And then you have this question now what? What do you do with him? And he stunk. I don't know what he'd been wallowing in. Man, he stunk. And so we're sitting there looking at him. And so we, we got this, uh, we, we, we cinched up the basketball bag and we had this possum in a bag. But, you know, I had friends, just go throw it off the river. You know, ah, I can't do that, you know. So I decided to take it down to my neighbor's house. He needs a good possum down there. And so we drove down, uh, down McGowan Extension, and we drove down to the T in the road. It was dark. We're looking around. You know, I don't want to see the preacher throwing a possum out at somebody's yard, you know. But uh, I just knew it would be a blessing to that guy. And so we get down there, and I unzip the bag. And he's just, I mean, wicked. They have sharp teeth. You know, and he just, he's just hissing at me, you know, and I'm trying to dump the bag out, and he's got his claws in the mesh bag, and I'm trying to jump out and shake, and I'm, somebody's watching. I know somebody's watching. I'm on YouTube somewhere, I'm sure, as we're standing there, and Miley's laughing at me, and I forgot to put the car in a uh, park. Remember that? And so I said, get in there and hit the brakes." So Miley's hitting the brake, and I'm standing out in the road trying to dump this possum out of the bag, and he's just like, he's not coming out. I'm like, all right, the river was looking way more inviting after about five minutes. (laughs) One less possum is not going to hurt this world, that's for sure. And so I'm trying to roll, and he stinks. Oh, he stinks, and he's got his claws on there. And I listen, if if he hadn't have decided to play possum and just go limp and fall out, I was about done with him, because I was trying to let him go. And I was trying to help him, and I'm shaking the, the thing, and he just... Finally, he, go, he, jumps, he, he jumps off that culvert. Remember at the end of my gown. He jumps off a culvert into the water himself. So maybe, maybe he just wanted to go to the river. I don't know. But here's what I want you to see. I wanted to let him go. I wanted him to have liberty. I wanted him to have freedom. I didn't want to shoot that thing. I wanted to let him go and just be part of nature enjoy life and all of that. But man, he sure made it hard on me. He made it difficult. I'm trying to shake him out and he's just holding on. And oh, I don't know how the, does the Holy Spirit talk to you? Oh my goodness, when I was preparing the message, he says, you're just like that possum. I mean, I know I may look like one, you know, but I'm thinking, he's sitting there in that bag. I'm trying to let him go. I'm trying to give him life. I'm trying to give him freedom. I don't want him to live in that bag. I want him to be free. Go out there and roam the woods. But man, he made it hard on me. as I'm trying to shake him out, and he just kept holding on, and how often are we just like that possum? Holy Spirit comes along on a Sunday morning service and says, either number one, you're lost, you've never been saved, you don't have life, you're living, but you don't have life, and I want to give you liberty, and we're like, uh uh-uh. We hold on to the chair in front of us. We decide to get up and run out of here. I'm getting out of church. Or he comes to us after we're saved, and he says, look, you have sin in your life, and you know, and I want you to get rid of that sin because I want you to have an abundant life. I came that you might have life and have it more abundant. I want you to have liberty. And we're like, no, not letting go. And the Holy Spirit shakes us, and sometimes the Lord sends things in our life to shake us a little bit. But boy, some of us are just as stubborn as that stinking possum. We're not letting go. We're not getting out. We're gonna hold on, and we're going to live the rest of our life as a captive. Well, can I tell you this? There are limitations to the liberty of the Lord. Genesis chapter 6, he said that he would not always strive. His spirit would not always strive with man. That means God's going to shake the box or the bag. He's going to shake it. He's going to shake it. And by his mercy and his grace, he gives us more shakes than we deserve. But after a while, God's going to say, fine. You want to live a limited life? You want to remain lost? Fine. 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 Sooner or later, the knocking going to fall silent and you're going to be left to live in that small, confined, dictated life when you could have been saved, when you could have had life more abundantly. You could have had a home with life instead of a dead home. You could have had a family with more life instead of, a, instead of a family that's spiritually dead. But no, you chose not to answer the Holy Spirit when he knocked on the door. My prayer for our church this morning is simply this. Liberty in life must be accepted. If you're lost, you've got to accept salvation. He's opened the door. Jesus says, I am the door. Walk through it. Walk through it. He opened the door. It's wide open. All you have to go, you have a spiritual pardon. And if you're saved this morning, why on earth are you settling for anything less than an abundant life? Why aren't you just satisfied living? Why don't you have an abundant life? Because I'll tell you this, you would not have a hard time convincing the lost world to have what you have if they saw what you have is better than what they have. But they look at us and they see what we have. It's not, not much better than what they have. We're just living in a different shape bag than they are. Well, this morning we could have liberty that the Lord wants to offer us. and The Bible says he's proclaimed it. All right, we've proclaimed liberty this morning. We proclaim liberty to the lost and liberty to the saved for the abundant life. The question is: Are you going to walk through whatever door the Holy Spirit of God's open for you today? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.